Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. And welcome back. I am here in Flagstaff with Ben Bruce. Ben, thanks for uh, thanks for joining today. Yeah, pleasure to be here. For sure. So you've been out in Flagstaff for a while now. Um, I remember last time I was out here, you said it was what, about 15 years? Oh, not that long. I moved here in 2011, the very end of 2011. Got it. So I guess getting close to a decade, but not quite. Still struggling on stairs though, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> stairs are always, always get you out of breath if you have to run up and down, but some days you, some days you have good stair climbs. Nice. Yeah. So who is Ben Bruce? Um, geez. A lot of different, a lot of different hats these days. I coach, uh, run myself still um, competitively, and father of two boys. My wife's a professional marathoner as well. So, uh, yeah. So some days it's a dad. Some days I'm a coach. Some days I'm a husband. I guess I'm a little bit of each each day. Nice. So. How do you um how how do you work on balance between all of those things, or is balance something you focus on, or how do you sort of navigate wearing those different hats? Um. I guess since uh, a lot of the new things in my life, like the kids and um, the coaching taking a bigger role, and then also my wife running so well right now, a lot of times it's it's sort of putting them first, uh, which is a little bit of a change when I was younger and I could always get my running done first. Right. So now um, just sort of a little bit of a compromise once in a while where I may miss miss part of a run or have to do runs at different times, but it's still all, all good stuff. Um, you know, you get in a certain routine where you want to run at the same time in the morning or do your double right. at a certain time. But, uh, sometimes that just gets, gets switched around. Yeah. Um, especially with certain things with kids, it's like, you can't control that. And, um, but all in all, there's no complaints. Cool. Um, so I loved your post on, uh, Chicago and how your pacing efforts were or how, how your pacing efforts went. Um, a lot of people were curious to hear a little bit more about that. What was it like pacing that group, um, with Steph and, um, you know, helping other people work towards, work towards their goals? Yeah. Pacing in Chicago was pretty cool. Um, we had, when we decided Steph was going to run Chicago, uh, along, you know, right from the beginning, we, like myself and Steph and, and Ben, coach Ben, uh, Rosario and, and our agent, Josh Cox were all on board with me pacing. Um, and from Chicago standpoint, which makes a lot of sense that they didn't want me to just be pacing Steph because to make it fair for other runners and kind of within the rules is me pacing at a certain pace. Um, which, uh, Earlier this year, I went to Rotterdam with Alephine from the team and paced her, but that was a little different because there was really no other woman trying to run what she was running. So we kind of had the luxury of me running 
uh, a certain pace for her um, where this was like the agreement was I needed to run a pace even if my wife was one of the people falling off the group that I was supposed to pace at a certain pace. Um, so that was something that I was okay with that and Steph was okay with that because in fairness of this sport, like that's what races do. They'll set up pacers and we ran a certain pace and luckily Steph was there for a long time. And yeah, the early on there was five women in the group and then uh, by about halfway it was down to four, which ended up being the fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh place finishers in the race. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. And I, I would like to think that, uh, my pacing benefited, uh, those four women all running big PRs. Definitely. Yeah. It was super awesome to see. Um, Lizzie Flanagan was a guest on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think she was part of that pack as well. She, uh, she was pretty, pretty happy with how her day went. Yeah. That was, was kind of nice at the, the technical meeting the day before I talked to most of them and they were going to be in that group, um, and just let them know that, you know, the goal is one twelve thirty to one thirteen at halfway. But, um, we had just figured I've always been a believer that when you're pacing a group and you're in it, that going a touch slower, but keep keeping the group together longer has always beneficial. So, mm-hmm. um, instead of trying to be a few seconds too fast and maybe potentially right. having less people, I was like, the goal would really be to try to be close to one thirteen, And then I think we were one twelve fifty six, And, um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've paced the women on our team a lot and some of the guys. So I've done a lot of pacing and sometimes like, I give myself a quiet pat on, pat on the back once in a while because I'm able to hit the pace usually pretty well. And um, so to come through halfway, I almost wanted to like point to the clock and be like, there we go. <laughs> Listen, um, trust me. <laughs> yeah, because I think even though I forget maybe around 10K, like Fanula, the Irish girl came up and because I just said, hey, how, you know, how are you feeling? And she's just like, what pace are you running? Because her the GPS doesn't work very right. well in Chicago a lot. And so she yeah, just saw like a lot of 27 mile runs. Yeah, she just stopped looking. And I knew that that wouldn't happen. But I, so I was just looking at the actual mile markers. And I think I said to her, I think I said, I was like, we're probably around 112.45 for half pace. And we came 112.55. <laughs> wow. So I was like, um, but I think that keeping that group together was was very beneficial for, awesome. for all of the women. What tips do you have uh, for for pacing? What are some of the some of the tricks that you've learned over the years? You kind of have to um, let like what's going around you disassociate from it um, because it's totally different going out on a track with one person behind you or by yourself um, versus starting a major marathon where there's hundreds of people that are getting excited and jumping off the line and just in all this the huge crowd and in Chicago you under you go under a tunnel like right away and then there's just lots of people cheering and you have to be like just stay controlled so what I usually try to tell myself is like we were trying to hit 532 to 534 for the miles basically and so I was like if I try to run more like 535 to 540 the first mile it'll most likely be a touch quicker than that but that's where we want to be and even if it is a touch slower that's probably better than too fast um so yeah and it's i think it's like anything to learn skill some people are better at pacing than others and that's not a good or bad thing sometimes i wish that i could be the person to sit in a group and not care about what the clock says but i've always <laughs> even when i was even when i'm running my own races like i feed from knowing the splits and knowing yeah. the time and um so i guess that's why i've been able to do a good job pacing. cool how has your how has your relationship and coaching with uh, the Hoka Northern Arizona elite team evolved over the years. Um, before I was official assistant coach on the team, um, I was always one of the older people on the team. So I think, uh, Ben Rosario and I would just chat a lot anyways about certain workouts or he'd run ideas by me. And that was kind of a natural progression that, um, you know, we had one meeting and he put it pretty bluntly and, you know, he said, father time was always going to win. Cause as I've, I've had a long career uninterrupted injury. So your body just gets sort of beat up and right. the amount of 
hard workouts I can do, uh, and the frequency has gone down. Um, and so we just talked about me, you know, I still wanted to keep running, but from a building a team standpoint and trying to bring in new people and being able to pay them a contract, it's like some, something's got to go somewhere. So right. that's what we kind of came up with the idea of me taking an assistant coach role. Um, but then also still running myself and that as we transition into years down the road, we'll probably transition more into just a coaching role and less of a running role. Cool. Um, Let's talk about the team in general. Um, I think that you guys are leading the way from a, I don't think I'm sure that you guys are leading the way from a um, social media standpoint, from a, a share the process standpoint. Um, and that's, that's very intentional. Um, what's, What's the focus that the team has on, or, or let's talk about the focus that the team has on um, sharing the highs and the lows, and, and why, why was that decided on as a major focus? Well, I mean, I think what's unique with our group is a lot of professional groups usually get funding right away from a company. Right. They bring on a coach they want, and then they bring in the athletes. Mm-hmm. And this is a little different because Ben and Jen came to Flagstaff and they wanted to start a group. And so the first year the group ran basically out of their pocket. Some people in the group still had some smaller sponsorships or travel for different, different companies and stuff, but their vision was to get a title sponsor and, and they were doing it from a very professional standpoint. Ben was, uh, he was the owner of a running store back in St. Louis and he understood the business side of things and he wanted to create a professional sports team, not just a developmental group of runners as someone that were professional, but also acted like professionals. If right. you see big sports, bad, good game or bad game, they got to show up at the press conference. Right. And if they're pissed off, they still have to talk to the media. Maybe it's only for five minutes, but they got to give the answers to the fans. Right. And so I think that we've always, you know, we created a mission statement that we would train hard, race fearlessly and share the journey. And that means sharing the goods and the bad um, along the way. And what we've learned through that process, and we've seen a lot of um, met people and they've given us great feedback that whether we win or lose or have a good day or bad day, that they want to follow along and see what's what's going on. And so I think that's, we've gotten that feedback that they, they really do appreciate that. Um, and yeah, it's sometimes hard to share the bad stuff, but you realize that, um, we're humans. The people following us are humans and, and they don't want to hear just the fluff and the good stuff in life. Yeah. They want it. They want it all. Yeah. I think it's awesome coming from the perspective of, of an amateur. It's, it's good to see the highs and the lows. I just had a conversation with Sarah Hall about this as well. And she was talking about, you know, trying to use social media, not as a highlight reel, but as like, this is my life and you know, it can't all be good and it can't all be bad. Um, but really just, using it as a way to connect. And, and I think that, that you and Steph in particular do an amazing job with um, connecting and whether that's through the running camps that you guys do or picky bars or the team. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's a refreshing approach. And I think other teams are, and other athletes are starting to, you know, do the same. And I think that the more we see this across the board, the better it is for, Pro athletes, amateurs, and everyone in between, for sure. Um, but yeah, how you you mentioned you know you have a as a team sport athlete you have a tough game you still have to show up and talk to reporters. How do you 
how do you manage to, you know, coherently share when you're pissed off or when something doesn't go as planned? What's that? What's that sort of journey like? You know, when you're when you're making an Instagram post or when you're talking on a story or something like that. Yeah, I think that a big thing that I view with in social media is a big part of things now, and you have to find your own voice and trying to be someone else or trying to do something that someone else is doing just because it gets a good good traction on their feed that doesn't work so i think it it takes a while to find out what um you enjoy to share what you the way you like to share for some people it can be cathartic to just get out their thoughts and if they're going to get out the thoughts it's their choice i'm sure some people get out their thoughts and don't actually make the post but it's sometimes good to to write it down and yeah and if i tried to share the stuff that steph shared it just wouldn't be the same. Like right. I, I try to give a little bit of um, what I've learned is it, a mistake. I think younger runners will make is they, they assume that everyone is a avid runner following a run and knows following them and knows all the details, right. but they don't, you know, like the last post I made a guy that I met, there was a dad of uh, Riley's uh, another kid on his T-ball team. He's like, he played some uh, professional golf, but he, he doesn't. So he understands professional sport, right. but he's not, um, a runner. So he even said like, Oh, thanks for explaining it to us novice. So, um, I try to give a little bit of more like detailed information. And yeah. for some people that might be like, ah, it's boring, but, um, it's your niche. That's how you, yeah. it's my niche. And then Steph's is she's raw. I mean, she's gone through a lot of stuff with pregnancies and kids. And so that's like her, like almost like cult following. I feel like, uh, <laughs> one day I practiced, like Scott Smith was talking to Steph and said, oh, I had a really funny comment I was going to put, but I knew that like the Steph Bruce fans would just rip me apart. Um, and so, but it's true that he was like, Oh, oh on her post. Yeah. He was just like a joke, but he was like, I, if people didn't take the joke the right way, right, even though like shredded. Steph and Scott went to the same college and like she would have taken it as a joke. He's like, I wasn't going to make that post cause I was going to get ripped. I'll be ripped apart by, your, by the Steph Bruce fan. So, um, but I think that just shows that everyone kind of has like, a, if you can find sort of your own character, you don't have to change like, who you are and what you want to share. I think as long as you're consistent about it, that's really what like, and then you'll naturally, some people will naturally gravitate towards um, certain people because they, they maybe relate a little bit more with them. Definitely. Cool. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your camps. Um, Feel free to plug away. Talk, talk about when they are, why you do them, um, where they are. Yeah. Our camps is another one of um, like Steph and her, Steph and I are very, different in the standpoint that I am always resistant to change and sort of like, Hey, if things are good, why change things? And she's always been new ideas and let's do this and let's do that. And, um, we'd always talked about doing a camp and never really pulled the trigger on And uh, funny enough when Steph was four months pregnant with Hudson, she's like, let's do a camp. And I'm thinking, Oh, like next year, she's like, no, let's just do it this summer. Let's just, we've always talked about it. Let's just do it. And I'm thinking, cause I, I guess the fear of my side is I'm afraid to, put it out there and then fail. Like no one shows up, no one right. signs up. And, uh, especially as we work on this short timeline, cause I'm like, Steph, people, they can't, maybe they have summer vacations already planned, right. but we put it out there in the first year we had 11 people come, which made it feel at least like a good sized camp. And we've just, um, you know, stuff that we didn't even think would come from the camps have come from it. Like people that come back and they have, they've created like lifelong friends. Um, they like go, they'll go, well, people from camps will go to the races together now. That's and, awesome. um, this last year we had over 30 campers. Um, we do it every summer, usually in August. Um, we try to plan a weekend that we know we won't be racing or maybe after a big race of ours. And, um, yeah, we're looking to maybe do more camps throughout the year as we get older. But right now we're sticking with the one, uh, summer camp and, um, 
yeah, we, we like to coin the camp as like come for a few days and like live like a professional would live. You don't have to wake up and, and run before going to work. You can get up and let the run be like your morning and then you can try to recover. And we, we do some talks, but we try to not make it this like dive into the deep, dark, depths of like training you know philosophy more like let's simplify it because running is a simple thing right. and um and we do that and we take the flagstaff kind of sells it for us we can go up into the mountains and run on through the aspen trees we can go down to sedona and this year we did a track workout down in sedona that the campers really loved and um full of oxygen yeah well sedona is lower than flagstaff so yeah much much more still still elevation and then at the end they talk steph and i into doing our own um 400s each so they could see us run and uh it was pretty fun and they got a kick out of it so it really is just a lot of fun and and i think with each year we're getting more comfortable putting them on and and um i think the numbers are are to the point where we need to maybe start looking into putting in some more cool um and so where where are you running with the camps we try to change it up a little each year because uh we do have a decent amount of returners um so usually we'll do one I like to like moderate trail run just because we know a lot of people aren't comfortable on the trail. So we'll try to pick a pretty manicured dirt road or um, if it is a single track, very like smooth. Yes. Smooth. Not many rocks or roots. Um, You know, some years we've gone down to Sedona and other years we've just stayed up here for the whole up in Flagstaff for the whole camp. Um, We've done stuff on the track so we can show drills. They'll go into a, uh, we'll do a strength session with at hypo two, which is like a, company in town that does a lot for professional athletes coming in town to train um the last years we've been lucky enough to have like a surprise guest speaker this last year we had ryan and sarah hall come and the year before that jared ward came and talked so we try to keep some stuff under wraps and i think the campers sometimes get nervous because they want this detailed schedule and we're (laughs) one we tend to plan stuff up up late um to the last minute um but also we want them to we just want to like kind of have it be it's structured but we, we like to save a few surprises. Show up on uh, Tuesday. For, you'll for find out year. what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. We'll tell you. Meet at Buffalo Park at 4.30 p.m. on Thursday, and we'll take you through the camp. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's it's sometimes fun to just, like, have no control over the schedule and just show up and, and you know, somebody else has everything planned. Yeah. Like, we – if it's adults, it's like a – it's like a great – take on like the old high school running camps but since they're adults it's like a little less responsibility yeah. it's like we can drop them downtown on the nights for dinner and be like the hotel is less than a half mile you can right walk don't get lost you're, you're <laughs> fine you know if you want to do stupid stuff like we don't got to call your parents you're <laughs> you're all 18 or older so yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice what's it like living in flagstaff with the with the you know culture that you guys have here with pro athletes and olympians and all that yeah when i moved to flagstaff in 2011 i I knew that it, you know, the altitude's great, seven thousand feet. You have the ability to go down to lower elevations for workouts, but the community of it all is really just—it's just huge. There's like, there's the people that live here full time, like our group. Um, there's a lot of people that are professional runners or sub elites, or just really good runners or masters runners that that have made Flagstaff their home. They came here at some point and they just loved it. Um, you have people like Mike Smith who came here and ran for a while and then he coached was coaching and then he he left and went coach at georgetown and then he is able to come back and get it you know dream job here at nau because he just loves flagstaff so you have these diehard flagstaff people and then you also have at any given time of the year just 
tons of other pros that are in town training, you know, running cyclists, triathletes, swimmers. Um, so there's no lack of, it's, sometimes I think, man, if you, if it wasn't an altitude, you could hold host like an incredible track meet, like <laughs> right now in Flagstaff. The only problem is everyone would be racing distance races at 7,000 feet, but right. you got like, and I've been on runs where I'm like, I might have like the seventh slowest 5k PR in this, on this <laughs> run. It's just like dudes like that are yeah. know, stuff like that so it's funny um, i had a similar conversation with um, a guy named matt daniels who lives in boulder yeah I know and matt. matt's uh matt's a sub four miler and he's like who gives a shit there are 50 people that yeah. have run sub four in boulder no, i mean i've been on runs where i'm like i'm running with five sub 230 marathoners <laughs> women yeah not five sub 230 marathoners that are men right women i'm like oh wow like <laughs> could drop like, me. yeah like you these five good girls like if you know, they could go run and like three of them could potentially make the Olympic team. And right. Then, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's fun, but it's gotta be cool. Cause it, it keeps you on your toes at all times. Yeah. And humble, yeah. I guess. And you just, and the running community is fun. You get to meet people and talk and you, uh, you know, someone stays on in your basement once here. And then when you're in their city, you yeah. stay on there, you know, stay with them. And, um, you know, Steph and I basically, when we had our second kid, we moved into a, uh, like a slightly bigger house and we had no reason to sell our other house because we were always renting rooms out when we lived there um and so we're like yeah we just turned that into a rental and it's just been like a revolving door of of runners there i should have from day one had everyone like sign a wall because <laughs> i feel like there'd be you know that we've had tons of national champions that have like come here and then they'll go to albuquerque for indoors and win you know like will lear did that one yeah. year pulled off the double shelby hulahan stayed with us and went to albuquerque and pulled off the double and um so it's fun to just have people staying at your places and just all around town you run into people and and get to chat and meet uh people that have similar desires and thoughts and then you have the entire like non-track road running world of the ultra so flagstaff really has it all because you can run run on the roads lake mary road you can go up in the mountains climbing thousands of feet and within a couple of miles and um kind of everything in between yeah it was funny anime ran uh over at a1 at mount a1 mountain a1's like a famous it's like a a loop it's like seven miles up seven miles around seven miles down so if you've if you've lived in Flagstaff long enough, you kind of got to do the A one mountain loop at some point. Yeah, she was uh, she was scouting it out. She was trying to set set the the CR there, but she was like, "Damn, there's some stout stout times out there." Yeah, my favorite story of A one is when we did it one day, and Nick Arcinaga wanted to go for like two hours. It's kind of like a a pretty big barrier that it, you kind of have to commit early and pay the price. And yep. so Nick went for it, and he got in. We get back, we just did the loop casually and got back probably 20 minutes after he did. And he was just sitting in his front seat of his car, staring blankly out the window. And um, I think someone even followed him home and to make sure he got home okay. And <laughs> and then we text later, and like his wife answers his text. Yeah, this is a 20 mile run. Right? It's a 21 mile run, yeah. but he, when you rip it, and it's, and it's like, yeah, you just he was out of commission for several hours. <laughs> like we were texting with his wife just to check on him, and she's like, well. He hasn't eaten anything yet, but he's finally starting to move around a little bit. So, uh, but yeah, those are the the fun stories that get thrown around. Nice. Flagstaff. What are some of the other must run uh, roads or trails out here? Um, Aspen Corners is a big one. Uh, it's just you're up at nine thousand feet, give or take. You're in the aspen trees. Like this time of year in October, it's unbelievable. Like all the aspen leaves are yellow, and uh, the they're probably my favorite tree in the world. And you get in these groves, and it, it really it's some of the most like beautiful sights I've ever seen. And um, you kind of run along the mountain and you don't lose a lot of elevation and gain a lot. So you're up high, but it's not super up and down. Um, you know, doing like 
which unfortunately has been closed from the museum fire, the Mount Eldon climb. It's like a service road. You can go up the service road, which is like five miles that climbs 2,000 feet, but you can also go up the the rocky like technical side, which climbs the same 2,000 feet, but in like two and a half miles. Wow. So that's more of like hard technical type of things. And man, there's loops that circle the whole mountain and then along the way climbs that go up it. So there yeah there's a lot of must the the must do probably road race road runner workout it would be to go to lake mary for for a workout and um that's what we do a lot of our our workouts i mean it's not as pretty but it's still just a cool place to go do a workout cool what are some of the things you do to manage the altitude we're up at seven thousand feet here it's not you know it's not low yeah you just you run easy and easy means easy it doesn't there's no time set to easy and some days up here that is running really slow um you could be down in Phoenix on a canal and run sub seven minute pace for a long time on easy runs and feel fine. And up here that might be seven thirty to seven fifty pace. Or if you climb a hill, you just got to slow way down. Um, we've been up doing it a lot. So we have, um, you know, coach Ben and I always work on like the adjustments of what we think that people should run for workouts up here versus in Sedona or Camp Verde. And um, that's another tool we do is we run, we'll go down lower elevations. We can get down to 3000 feet in, um, about an hour drive, which is pretty huge, um, for the drop in elevation. And also in the winter, if we have a big snowstorm, you can get out of the snow and go, go train where it's not snowy. That's a nice little, uh, nice little card to have in your back pocket. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's obviously living here. It's easy to say, it's probably the, one of the best places in the world from like a altitude standpoint, but that's kind of the argument that if you're dealing with a harsh winter and you're in like the Northeast, you drive and drive and drive right. and you're still at the same more snow. and it's just, it's cloudy and gray it, here. It's a lot of sunshine. Um, Colorado has a lot of great training standpoint like spots, but they have less chance to get down to lower elevations to run really like harder workouts. I mean, still great places to train. Um, but I feel like Flagstaff really has all the, all the tools. You can also go run up at 10,000 feet if you want up on the mountain. So you can go pretty much wherever. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun beast that the altitude uh, variable for sure. Um, Why did you go for your first run? Why did what? Why did you go for your first run? Oh, taking it back. I guess my first run would have been like, I guess my first memory of running was I was five years old and my, cousin who would have been probably a freshman in high school was running like a local 5k uh he was probably 13 14 so he's he's about eight years older than me and i was like i want to run it and he's like well you're five it's pretty long ways and i i we were about to go to sleep and i got up and i turned the light on and i started running around the room and he's like what are you doing i'm like i'm getting ready and i was like bent i was gonna do it so the next morning i i went out and it was a really small 5k i think in uh, kaysville utah and um I, yeah, I remember my dad was out, it was a small enough race that my dad was like kind of driving along the course. Cause I'm sure my parents were even a little hesitant cause I have older brother and older sister that they weren't going to do it. But me being five years old was going to do it. And I ran most of the way. I mean, I probably stopped a few times, but I think I, it's like 33 minutes or something for <laughs> nice. as a five-year-old. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just loved it. So, um, I guess it was in the summer. So I was getting closer to six, but, um, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but that was kind of like the memories of me as a kid. Cause then I remember you don't go on runs as a kid. Right. Yeah. I would just go run races, right. which I think was good. Cause I'm a huge fan of like lots of different 
activities for kids and not just like, oh, I mean, I'm sure my son has the tools to be a good runner, but I'm not taking him out right. to do runs. Yeah, if we're at the track and we're doing drills and he wants to run a few laps, then fine. But um, I think just keeping that light because my memories are always just of running races as a kid. And then as I got older, realizing that I had a talent to um, kind of take that to the next level. Cool. Um, what are some of the big goals that you still have? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting like transition in my life. So the benefit of having such a long career of not being injured is like I've accumulated so many miles that my body in a way is kind of filling all that and beat up. And it's like, I can't press these crazy hard workouts anymore. Um, But there's a lot of races out there that are just maybe like the ones I never got to or in a cool area or something that's a little bit alert, like a different type of race. Because even when I was running a lot of track, like I would still sneak off and go do like a race, a trail race in Hawaii because I wanted to go do something different. So that is like from a non, not as competitive side of it. Um, competitively, I think the one thing I've been holding on to is this consecutive streak of running at USA track championships. And it's 17 years right now. Um, and next year, if it be in the Olympic trials, it's going to be even harder to qualify because unlike the marathon where there's just a standard, the track is 24 people basically. And, um, with the level of us running right now, that's going to take a pretty fast 10 K low 28 minutes probably. And, uh, so I'll probably try to do that in the spring. One more crack at a fast 10 K. And if I can get back to another one, I'll keep the street going. And if not, I'll, that'll be it. But, um, that's probably from a competitive standpoint, one thing I'd like to do. Cool. Um, what are you scared of? I guess from that off the last answer, kind of the fear of that, like, as I've gotten older, it's like father time will eventually always wins <laughs> wins yeah. yeah so it's kind of that fear of like not being able to run as fast as i used to um but i think the great thing with running is uh i i guess if you ask me in my mid-20s like what i thought of where i would be at now like i i would have probably guessed this because i've just i've always loved running some people run until they start slowing down and they just retire because they don't want to they're not interested in hanging on right. but um i guess i'm one of those runners that's sadistic enough to just keep hanging <laughs> on and just try to keep uh just keep it rolling and just find different challenges whether that's trying to run close to what i used to run or try different distances um those are all things that I've always been willing to try new things, but it, it is a fear of kind of losing that speed that you never thought about when you're in your twenties, the elasticity that you could just go to sleep and wake up in the morning and go right on a run. Um, so yeah, I guess the, the fear of getting old, but with that also, I guess creates its own new challenge, which I guess I'm on board for. That's a good way to look at it. Um, I had a really interesting conversation with Mike Wardian about the same I asked the same question and his answer was losing his love for running or not being able to do it. And it wasn't about, it wasn't about the, it wasn't about the time. It was about like the process and being able to do it. And it was just that it was an interesting perspective on, um, you know, why, why someone like that races like that or that often or, um, it makes a, he makes a really good point because when you put it that way, like I agree with a lot of that because this year, a good example was that I ran a 10K on the track and it was kind of in the mix of all these 
different hats I'm wearing. I'd been in Rotterdam a month earlier pacing Alephine to 226 marathon and after that race Ben Rosario said, well, I think you'll probably be the only one in Stanford that did a 20, did a marathon in 226 as part of their buildup <laughs> to the 10 K. And I said, yeah, most likely. <laughs> and, um, that race hurt. It just hurt. Like I, I was fish out of water, which was, I was always so comfortable on the track, but it was like the first time I just felt like, man, I'm fighting this body a lot, yeah. but it was also in a way like so beautiful because I was just like hanging on and like, I really feel like it was one of the races I pushed myself like as far as I could have, you know, some races it just everything comes to you. And right. a lot of times those are your PRs and it's not fair because everything just, just, right. it just, it just clicks. flows. Yeah. But that was just like, man, so many times of that race, I could have been like, you know, if I just ease off and whatever, and I can walk away and like, okay, I'm not going to qualify for USA's yeah. this year, but I just fought for every second and I ended up making it into USA's by, by like only like two or three people were, you know, I was like 21 of 24 on the descending order list. And it must've felt so and, good given the effort. Too. Yeah. So to do that effort. And so when you say about Mike Gordian, I mean, I, I've had conversations with him and he's just a quirky guy that just loves to do it. And, and I guess that's where I am. I just love yeah. to do it. So as long as I can keep doing it so maybe he's what he says is more of a fear that like not being able to do it because yeah. it's you can almost be at peace with slowing down but like just the process of yeah. doing it that's why i think i mentioned doing some races that i never got around to um keeping the joy in it because it's like those are going to be awesome yeah. you know travel to a different city that i've never been to or, or do something like a race that challenges you in a, a different way awesome where can we find you on social media um, geez, I have to remember. I feel like <laughs> Ben Bruce is a popular name because there's this like rock star in England, I think. So I did like I'm BB Jammin on Twitter and then BB Jammin one five. You should be the Instagram. real the real Ben Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they the, there's so many handles because it's like it's, he has fans that like make all those things up. So yeah, BB Jammin is Twitter and BB Jammin one five is Instagram. Amazing. 15 was my soccer number back in the day. So nice. Still one of my favorite numbers. Cool. Well, it's my birthday, so it's a good number for sure. Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining today, and uh, and and excited to share this one. All right. Good luck at rim to rim to rim to rim to rim. <laughs> Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.